Hello, I'm Ryan Bull, a Stratfor Middle East and North Africa analyst at Rain. This podcast is brought to you by Rain Worldview, powered by Stratfor, the world's leading geopolitical intelligence platform. Learn more at worldview.stratfor.com. You're listening to Rain's Essential Geopolitics Podcast, powered by Stratfor. I'm Emily Donahue. The World Health Organization recently backed a malaria vaccine to be used for children in African countries. This is being touted as a major breakthrough in the fight against the deadly disease. What happens now? Here with answers is Clara Brackbill, Stratfor Sub-Sahara Analyst for Rain. Welcome to the podcast, Clara. Thanks for having me. So let's just jump right in and let me ask you, what are the vaccine's origins? And also, why is this such a big deal? Uh, great question. Well, several reasons. Um, first is the disease itself. So, you know, scientists actually named the plasmodium parasites that are responsible for malaria over 130 years ago in the 1890s. And since then, they've been working on solutions. So malaria kills currently over 400,000 people every year, mostly pregnant women and children under five. And the vast majority of these cases are in sub-Saharan Africa. So this conversation is particularly relevant to those communities, those governments, and those economies that operate in this region of the world. And we know that malaria has a particularly strong impact on sub-Saharan African livelihoods. On an individual level, um, many people have to choose between paying for anti-malarial drugs or hospitalizations that are associated with malaria and things like school fees or small business investments, everyday necessities like food and fuel. On a larger scale, the direct costs associated with malaria for the continent amount to an estimated $12 billion per year. And the cost to economic growth are many, many times that. So researchers found that when factors like poverty, economic policy, environment, and others are held constant, countries with intensive malaria grow at 1.3% less per person per year than countries without malaria. Another report actually puts the savings from ending the disease at $2 trillion, so not to mention the millions of lives associated. So the cost of this disease is um, exorbitant in economic as well as human terms. Um, so you can understand why people are really excited about the prospect of a new vaccine. The vaccine itself is called Mosquirix or RTSS, and the World Health Organization approved this first ever vaccine against malaria and actually the first ever vaccine against a parasitic disease on October 6th. Um, this vaccine has been in development since the 1980s, and GlaxoSmithKline, or GSK, uh, which is the British pharmaceutical company that produced the vaccine, um, puts its costs at over $750 million. So lots of time, lots of money, lots of resources have gone into this vaccine. And before the vaccine's approval, GSK actually distributed 2.3 million doses to children under five in Ghana, Kenya, and Malawi. And GSK focused on, on these countries in sub-Saharan Africa because the vaccine is manufactured to target a specific strain of parasite, which is called Plasmodium falciparum and is the most deadly type of malaria and most commonly found in tropical Africa. So in this pilot that happened in Ghana, Kenya, and Malawi, the vaccine reduced hospitalizations from severe cases of malaria by 30%, which is um, significant progress. Clara, is this vaccine 
considered potentially an answer to malaria? Unfortunately, um, it's a complicated story. So the RTSS vaccine alone won't end malaria and a whole host of challenges um, are yet to be tackled. So we can start with the new vaccine's efficacy rate. Um, 30% efficacy falls far short of the World Health Organization's goal of a 75% effective vaccine. And additional mechanisms for preventing malaria do exist, like insecticide-treated bed nets, anti-malarial drugs, um, insecticides. And these, on top of the new vaccine, actually offer the best chance of reducing infection rates and deaths. In parts of Mali and Burkina Faso, where infection rates spike during the rainy season, health workers with insecticide-treated bed nets, anti-malarial medication, and the vaccine were able to cut malaria deaths in children under five by over 70%, which is huge. The reality though, is that many of these places with the highest infection rates are also highly impoverished. So even though governments have several anti-malarial tools in their toolboxes, deployment of these tools is another story. And one part of this is financing. So GSK has pledged 15 million annual doses and priced them just above the cost of production, but it's estimated that 100 million annual doses are needed in countries with the highest rates of malaria. And the annual cost of these 100 million annual doses is around $325 million. And as I mentioned, these are some of the poorest countries in the world. So the idea that they have the economic means to independently finance this initiative um, is, is misplaced. <laughs> and it, it's not clear who will make up this deficit and if anyone will. Another part of this story is healthcare workers and infrastructure. So many of these communities that are most impacted by malaria are in rural and remote parts of the continent. And the RTSS vaccine requires a series of four doses over the first two years of a child's life. And with general lack of access to any medical care in many of these places, um, it's not clear how this vaccine will reach the populations in need. Uh, in Thailand, actually, where is one, which is one place where uh, malaria cases have decreased by 90% over the last decade, after the government trained 1 million community healthcare workers to go door to door and distribute anti-malarial materials. And it's important to keep in mind that this virus or this um, strain of malaria was different and less deadly, but uh, it's thought that a similar effort is needed in, in sub-Saharan Africa to curb the disease. Another challenge is drug resistance. Over time, the malaria parasite is learning to adapt to anti-malarial drugs that have historically been most effective, which then requires further investment and further innovation. And lastly, um, you know, this there's a resource problem going on here, but there's also a prioritization of resources problem, especially in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. So in sub-Saharan Africa, COVID-19 has so far killed 147,000 people, most of those people concentrated in South Africa and Northern African countries like Egypt and Algeria. So obviously malaria is far more deadly for Sub-Saharan Africans, but with the global focus on COVID-19, um, there's cause for concern that resources and attention will be diverted from existing diseases like malaria, tuberculosis, and HIV. So while well-intentioned, um, this could actually result in, in more deaths. So where do we go from here? Well, while there are many challenges, um, 
I, I don't want to sound too ominous. This this is a good thing and it is progress. Uh, the Minister of Health in Mali has already urged the government to invest in the vaccination initiative and community vaccination projects in Kenya are, are already underway. Um, so the way I see it, this RTSS vaccine is a placeholder. Uh, there are several other vaccinations that are actually in trial stages, including an mRNA vaccine that's being developed by Oxford University's Jenner Institute, um, which is also responsible for the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine. And in a year-long trial, the um, this mRNA vaccine had a 77% efficacy rate in a sample of 450 children in Burkina Faso, which uh, is a huge improvement from the 30% efficacy rate that we see now. So um, this new vaccine is in the final stages of trials and um, is expected to reach clinical trials by the end of 2022. So that's a bright spot potentially ahead. And you know that all being said, um, an effective vaccine is is one part, uh, one crucial part of a complicated puzzle. Without investment in healthcare workers and infrastructure, as well as a comprehensive education and health policy initiative, the RTSS vaccine cannot single-handedly prevent malaria-related deaths, bolster local livelihoods, um, or boost national economies. Clara Brackbill is a Stratfor sub-Sahara analyst for RAIN. Stay informed about all the major geopolitical developments in African countries. Sign up for the free Worldview newsletter from RAIN. Go to stratfor.com slash worldview. That's stratfor.com slash worldview. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. 